Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. We often need encouragement. We need encouragement in our jobs. We need encouragement in our families. We need encouragement in our relationships. And especially, we need it uh, in the Christian life. You know, being a follower of Jesus in a world that does not recognize him can sometimes be stressful. It can cause adversity. Sometimes it causes a little bit of suffering. And it's in those times that we most need encouragement from our brothers and our sisters. And this was especially true for early Christians, the early church. You know, a small a community of uh, believers spread all over the Roman Empire. That, and they were viewed with suspicion and hostility and so the, the early Christians, they, they just uh, often lived on messages of hope and encouragement. Now remember, the book is written to a group of believers who are being persecuted. And when I say persecuted, I don't mean somebody in the corner is kind of laughing and poking their fingers you know, at them. No, no, no. We're talking about the kind of persecution that tears families apart, you know, throws people in prison, and where people are killed. And so many of them were fleeing for their lives. And of course, the, the, the Roman Empire at the time is Nero. And of course, the best that we can say is that he was an unstable leader, crazy man. And so Peter wants uh, these believers to experience the certainty of their salvation, not to have their faith shaken when life doesn't go the way that they want. He wants them to know that there is hope even when life is hard. Now this morning, the passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at is quite challenging because it was written in a different uh, time, a culture. You know, certain words uh, and terminologies uh, change over time. And at times it can be very hard to understand. Well, those are the kind of the verses that we have here this morning. Because the book was written 2,000 years ago, there are some word pictures that are painted for us that don't have quite the same significance for us living in 2021 as it did for those living, you know, 2,000 years ago. Peter's going to give us some word pictures uh, in this passage of Scripture. And for the Jewish culture, they would have been very familiar. But for us, it doesn't always have the same uh, significance. And, and though the book is very relevant uh, for us, it was written to Jewish Christians who had brought their Jewish culture uh, into this new Christian faith that they were experiencing. So with that, uh, let's read First Peter um, chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable or acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Uh, as we were reading through that par- uh, passage, you might have thought, what in the world is Peter talking about? Well, he kind of gives uh, a couple word pictures. First of all, he says Jesus um, is like the cornerstone. Uh, he's also described as the living stone. Uh, believers, the word picture he gives there is that we are living stones. Not the living stone, but we are living stones. And then, of course, it gives this word picture of unbelievers, that they're disobedient believers. Now, in that opening verse, when it says in verse 4, of uh, Second Peter, it actually makes it, the statement is, as you come to him, the living stone. This is in Greek, is what they call a present participle, which means it's, it's an ongoing action. As you come to him, it's not a one-time thing, like, you know, when you came to him at salvation. No, as you come to him, this living stone, like how you came to him yesterday, how you're going to come to him today, and how you're going to come to him tomorrow. It's a, it's a continuing action here. And it doesn't just start, I mean, it does start the day that you came to Christ, but it continues on. He says, as you come to him, the living stone. Who, who is this living stone? Well, it's the person who was rejected by humans, but chosen by God. Interesting term. That's a favorite word of Peter. He uses it multiple times, actually, in the next couple of verses. But he was chosen uh, by God. Chosen for what? To bear our sins, because uh, to cover our sins so we could have a forgiveness of sin. And because he did that, he is precious uh, to God. And then in verse 6, so we find out that Jesus is actually referred to as the living stone, but in verse 6, he's also called the cornerstone. Uh, the cornerstone, an essential part of a building, when, when the cornerstone is laid and it's not level, well, then it begins to impact the entire structure. If the cornerstone is not in the right place, then it could, you know, by even a couple inches or, or a couple feet, it really could have profound impacts. And, and so, about Uh, Peter is saying that Jesus is the cornerstone and you can actually build your life on him. And so as I was thinking about that, why would um, Peter refer to Jesus as the living stone? Uh, Why is he called the cornerstone? And kind of working through that, and I thought maybe, just maybe, um, there could be an explanation for that. And it's found back in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. By the way, many of you will be familiar with this passage. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, the story um, takes place in a, in a city or in a town called Caesarea Philippi. I actually have a picture here. Caesarea Philippi. A group of us were there actually about a year and a half ago right at this spot. And Jesus is having a conversation right here in Caesarea Philippi. Um, this is a place, by the way, that's uh, very sacred. Um, it's a religious area for the Canaanites, by the way, not for the Jewish people. In fact, the Jewish people would do everything they possibly can to stay away from a place like this. This was like Sin City. They would rather walk 20 extra miles around and avoid Caesarea Philippi. Uh, as I said, it's a religious area. This is where the, the temple for the god of Pan was built. This is where the Canaanites came to worship. And it's, it's very interesting that Jesus actually takes his disciples through this area uh, of Philippi. Um, this area, by the way, uh, underneath this uh, huge rock face, which is at the, uh, the base of, uh, it's, I think it's Mount Hermon, um, it was told years ago that water used to gush 
right out of uh, that cave right there would gush out. And the historian uh, Josephus, a Jewish historian, said, there wa- quote, there wasn't a rope long enough to determine how deep uh, the spring was. And in Jesus' time, uh, lots of people believed that there was an underworld, uh, under, you know, under the, the water there was a, yeah, an underground world there. And some even thought maybe that's where hell was, uh, at the bottom of the sea. And so what we have here, this, uh, all this water would gush up, and uh, some people believe it provides about 25% of the Jordan River underneath uh, this mountain. And so in, it's at this place, uh, you can actually see where some of the statues would have been uh, in the mountain, carved into the mountain for the um, temple for the, uh, for the god of Pan. So, in verse 13, as I said, there's this conversation going on. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's referring to himself. Who do people say uh, that I am? And it says there, they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Uh, Jesus wasn't interested really what people were saying. He's leading up to a really insightful question that he's about to ask, but he's asking, what's the talk out there? And of course, the disciples are very quick to say, oh, some are saying John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say the prophets. Quite obvious, people recognize Jesus was different than everybody else. There's lots of conversation. Nobody knows who exactly he is, but he's not like the average person. And so there's obviously lots of conversations, lots of talk going on uh, behind the scenes. And so Jesus says, what are people saying? But, but what about you, Jesus asked. What do you say, or who do you say that I am? And, and, and Peter shouts out, well, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus goes in to say, you did not figure this out on your own. Like, this has not been figured out by flesh and blood. The only way that you could know this, Peter, is that... God the Father revealed that uh, to you. And so then we come up to this uh, next statement, which is really a very famous statement. Verse 18. And I tell you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. On this rock, I will build my church. Now, the, the name Peter means rock. And uh, so in the Catholic tradition, the, the, their interpretation is that Jesus is saying, on this rock, Peter, on this rock right here, I am going to build my church. And um, that's why they credit Peter to be the first pope of the Catholic church. And you know what? The reality, that is a fair interpretation, of that passage. But I also think there's an alternative interpretation. The, the statement that Peter made there is, I think, is what Jesus is saying the rock is. That statement that you just made, Peter, that I am the Messiah, the Son of God, on this rock, on that statement, I am going to build my church. Peter, Peter, little rock, I'm going to build my church on big rock which is the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. And this whole conversation, of course, is going, taking place in front, okay, of this huge rock face of a temple. With that in the background, Jesus is talking about who he is. As I said, many people believe that in the underground, there was an underground world 
below the water. And so it was believed that as this water was gushing out and the spring was so deep, many considered this cave right here the gate that led into hell because many people thought hell was at the bottom of that spring. And so this was often referred to as the gates of hell. And so how interesting that Jesus would be having this conversation right in front of this area of Caesarea of Philippi. He is the cornerstone. I think when Peter goes back to the cornerstone, Peter just referred to here in Matthew, you are the rock, and, and you know, the church is going to be built on this, Jesus says. And not even the gates of hell will be able to prevent anything against it. So back in 1 Peter, that's why I think maybe he uses that term for Jesus, you are the cornerstone that the foundation of the church is going to be built on. And then he goes on to say in verse 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. He's talking about this house being made of living stones. This, this verse, I think, would have caused uh, Jewish people's minds to go, what are you talking about, uh, Peter? This, this makes no sense because in the Jewish culture, of course, they were used to that there was a temple, there was a building, and God resided in the building. But now Peter is talking something completely uh, different. He's talking about that Jesus is the living stone and that the living stone and we are living stones that will build the, that's going to be built on that foundation. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3.16, uh, Paul puts it this way, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And so this would be a, just a, a completely different concept for this Jewish culture to be wrestling uh, through this idea. Uh, Paul is, or Peter is getting to the point now, trying to explain to the people that the church is the people. It has nothing to do with a building. Jewish culture, the temple, that was the building. That's where God resided. But now Peter is switching things up, making them realize that now he is the cornerstone. We build our lives on that cornerstone. He is the foundation. Maybe when you were a child, Growing up, you kind of did this little thing where you put your hands together and say, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. Well, technically, theologically, really that's not correct because the church has never been a building. The church is the people. And I know we often will say, well, hey, you want to go to church with me? I went to church. Oh, church ran over. It was late. Um, you know, we even have it on, our, on the road sign, Temple Baptist Church. And, and we understand that we're not like legalistic on that, but the, the, technically, theologically, it's not the place. It's the people. And so, as I said, th this verse is very challenging for a Jewish a culture. And then, of course, he goes on uh, to also say, that you're a, a holy uh, priesthood. Well, what does that mean? I mean, the Jewish culture knew that the Levites, that they, were, they were chosen to be priests, uh, and priests were the go-between between God and Israel. But now Peter's saying, no, 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 you are part of a holy priesthood. There, there, there is no go-between. Like, you can have direct access. Uh, maybe the way that we are a go-between would be between God and the world, like we can be his spokesperson. But Peter's saying, no, 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 no. It's no longer you go through a priest. He says, you are part of a priest, 
a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices. Again, for the Jewish culture, they're like, no, no, the priest does uh, sacrifices. They take the animal. They kill the animal. It's to be a, a part of covering our sins. But now Peter's saying, no, no, no. No, it's no longer the temple where God resides. Uh, no longer do you go through priests. No longer are sacrifices being made. No, no. You are the temple. God resides in you. You are part of now the, of the holy priesthood. You have direct access uh, to God. And you can give um, uh, spiritual sacrifices uh, to God. What is that? What is a spiritual sacrifice? I'm sure for them, they're trying to figure out what does that mean? Well, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. A living sacrifice where we lay down what we want to do to do what he wants for us to do. That's a living sacrifice. See, as we read our Bibles, we see everything in light of the resurrection of Jesus, as we, what we celebrated last week. Well, God has sent his son into the world in the person of Jesus, and he is the stone that we can build our lives on. He was rejected while he was still on earth, He's still being rejected, though he sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But it doesn't change the fact that he is the cornerstone of God's plan. Because God the Father raised him from the dead. And he is in heaven, going to return one day for his children. Now, we may reject him here while on earth, but there will be a day that all of us will stand before God and give an account of our life. The resurrection of Jesus is a stumbling stone, and it is an unavoidable rock that stands in the pathway of each one of us. You can either climb on it and build your life on it, or you can stumble, you can trip over that stone of who Jesus is. I mean, let me just make this straight. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, Christianity is untrue, and there is absolutely no reason why we should be gathering here together. There would be nothing to salvage if Jesus did not rise from the dead. But if he did rise from the dead, he is like this massive, unmovable stone that stands in our path. And you don't get rid of him by believing in something else. You don't get rid of him by saying, well, I'm glad that works for you, but I'm not the religious type. Now, that doesn't get rid of him. He still remains there as a stumbling block. You know, if I was to um, go on the Blue Water Ridge, the top part of the Blue Water Bridge with one of you, and we're looking at over the view, and it's spectacular. And uh, you say to me, well, I'm going to head home now. And so you grab the railing of the bridge, getting ready to jump over. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. what are you doing? Well, you, you're saying to me, well, I'm just going to go home. Well, what, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, what about gravity? Do you, do you think you're just going to be able to float? And, and they respond to me, well, I'm not really the gravitational type. Well, let me tell you, Jesus raised from the dead. He is an unavoidable, he is unavoidable as gravity, no matter what you believe. 
You may not believe gravity uh, affects you, but it doesn't mean it doesn't. It still does. You may think that, well, I can reject Jesus. It's not going to really make that big of a difference. doesn't mean make it true just because you uh, believe that's what's going to happen. It does matter what you believe. And this book of 1 Peter is written to Christians who really are experiencing that life is unfair, life has been very difficult, and some, I believe, would be tempted to say, I'm just going to give it all in. It seemed to be so much easier when I wasn't following Christ. And so Peter reminds this group of people what we actually have in Christ. And he uses so many descriptive words. Because he says that you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. You know, as followers of Jesus, no matter how hard life gets out there, no matter what comes your way, I want to challenge you, don't don't get in that mode where you pull up the drawbridge and you just um, go back into your Christian bubble. And you stand back and say, well, if that's how they're going to treat me, I'm not going to bother with them. No, no, no. no. That's not an option for us where we just retreat. In fact, when you read that, when life is hard, which it's extremely hard for these believers that Peter is writing to. Extremely hard. And Peter uh, says to them, declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So Peter's saying, yeah, I know. I know life is hard. I know life is tough. I'm still telling you there's hope even when life is hard. And go ahead and declare his praises that your life has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Peter's telling us, keep on witnessing. Keep on telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. Keep proclaiming how he's changed your life. You were once headed in one direction. He changed your life completely. And now you're headed for an eternity with Christ. Now, for those who do not know a Christ this morning, I want to tell you, he is the cornerstone. He is the one that you can build your life on. He is the one that you can trust. He is the one who died for you. And he is the one who offers the forgiveness of sin. Jesus, the living stone, the cornerstone and we can build our life on him. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.